COVID kicked in in early in March, and which meant mainly being confined to home, working from home. So with this unique time that I had, I decided to try to make it into a positive, and I decided I was going to read the Bible. That's something that I had never done. So I began with the New Testament, and then went to the Old Testament and read the entire Bible in a relatively short amount of time. And what a amazing opportunity this was to take in the whole Bible. This, for me, was a great thing to happen, to be able to read the Bible, and it's directly due to COVID. I was able to connect through Woodland Hills. I started going to a gathering group. My group had people from Canada, California, Oregon, Connecticut, Minnesota, Illinois, and North Carolina. And there, uh, we've really grown close. We meet and we talk about our families. We share life together. We pray with each other, for each other. I've been so blessed through this that I've wanted a way to give back. And an opportunity for me to do that was through the renovation lay counselor training at Woodland Hill. So I'm training right now to be a lay counselor and I'm looking forward to help people online even after COVID. This past year, our family heard about the needs at the Woodland Hills Food Shelf and decided to host a couple cereal drives. We reached out to family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers by texting, emailing, and advertising with sidewalk truck around the neighborhood. We not only collected around 500 cereal boxes, but it was a great way for our family to see people in person. And it was encouraging to see the community rally together. In one instance, our friend's nine-year-old daughter was inspired to do her own food shelf, and she raised about 800 pounds of food in one week. We've opted to do just this small little gathering where we each kind of bring something to the table on Sundays. So for Christmas, we decided to make treats, carefully prepared treats for our neighbors and have the kids make cards. And we delivered all of those on Sunday morning for our church time together, praying for them and asking God to open their hearts to us. And yeah, we gave them cards and they were so happy. Yes, and especially our neighbors from other countries, they were very... Um, they felt very loved and they dropped off a mysterious package on our front doorstep and another neighbor from another country snowblowed our driveway after that and he kept going down the street and just with the snowblower just kept doing other neighbors and I can just see God opening hearts in our little neighborhood through these very simple acts. Bye Wildland Hills, we love you. We love you. Um, if I can be completely honest, and I think I can do that here because that's kind of what we do. Uh, this, this week was difficult and, um, it is so, I'm, t I'm being completely honest. It is so beautiful to be sitting here right now, listening to that worship set, which was a previous series or, uh, previous service, but it was still so timely. And then hearing, uh, words from people within the Woodland Hills community that are encouraging one another, growing in their faith and supporting their neighborhood. It's, it's just beautiful to see the kingdom of God at work and, um, um, it, it helps. It helps a ton to put your focus back on Jesus and on, on the ways in which he is at work in his people. It is a beautiful thing and it helps. So thank you all for being a part of that. Uh, my name is Shauna Bourne. I am the engagement pastor here at Woodland Hills and today we have 
some really cool people that I feel so blessed to work alongside uh, that are going to chat a little bit about uh, what we've been talking about the last several weeks. And so I thought it would be great for them to introduce themselves. You, you may have seen them here or there, but there's a lot of folks out there that are newer. And uh, these are really incredible people. And I want you to know who they are and what they do and how long they've been around. And so um, I'll kick us off by, again, saying I'm Shauna. And uh, I have been a part of Woodland Hills in some way, shape, or form since 2005, mm. when uh, my family and I got into a moving truck and moved up here <laughs> from Texas. And so, you know, I started out as a member here, just needing to sit and recover and just be a nobody and just receive healing and love. And um, and then started working and helping out in the children's ministry. And it just evolved from there to where I get to work with you people, which is amazing, with gathering groups and newscast and just uh, other things. So, yeah, it's such a blessing. I'm so, so thrilled. Uh, I've got this awesome guy sitting next to me. His name is Rob Kissler. Rob, introduce yourself. More, more, more. <laughs> hey, I am Rob Kissler, and I am the care pastor here, and that also somehow seems to involve things like cultivate and other ways of helping getting the body connected here. Um, but that's kind of my area, so that means, you know, like lay counseling, uh, the prayer ministry, things like that. Um, my, gosh, my involvement um, really started out in about 2001 when Kevin came on, or somewhere around when Kevin came on. I actually started out by getting involved in the refuge in 2002, maybe. Anyways, around 2001 is when I started in here, got involved with some things in the care ministry. 2010 then, uh, I joined the staff, and I have had just the, you know, like, pinch me how did I get here experience with its challenges along the way, but I'm grateful for being able to be here on staff for the last uh, 10 years. Kevin, what... Uh, what, what are you up to these days? What am I up to? Well, um, uh, yeah, Rob and I go way back. Um, he was one of our earliest care ministry volunteers along with his wife, Di. But my name's Kevin Callahan. I'm the discipleship pastor here. And uh, I first started attending regularly here at Woodland in probably 1996. And then have been on staff for roughly the last 20 years. Served for the first 10 years of that as the care pastor and now a discipleship pastor. And in my role as the discipleship pastor, I serve on the pastoral team, which is the team that kind of deals with higher level leadership issues and strategy. Um, once in a while, called into the sermon team to help out with those things. I oversee our Sojourners House Church Network as well as our uh, various discipleship-oriented classes in Cultivate, and then also our SOMA Intensive Discipleship School. And so those are the things that I'm mostly involved in these days. And I'm going to turn it over to Paul then. So Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. You know, it's interesting listening. Uh, there's a few of us like Sean who like one day got in a moving van and came here. <laughs> That's but most of us, and my story too, I was an attender here, right? Uh, Kelly, my wife, and I started attending in 96. 
and two years later uh, was asked to join staff, uh, actually as a discipleship pastor back at that point, and then became a teaching pastor. Um, and yeah, that's usually, really what I focus on primarily here is various contexts of teaching. And so uh, I'll cultivate classes, do some work in staff trainings and things like that. Uh, I also serve on the executive pastoral team with Greg and Janice, and then uh, also on the leadership board, and uh, the sermon team. And so a number of hats that, uh, that I've been doing for a while here. Awesome. Well, it's so great to have all of you here on the panel today. And uh, we have been in this series, like Greg said, uh, being salt and light in a changing world. And boy, is our world ever changing. And so I thought it would be good just to get us all on the same page. So we're all starting from the same place. If Paul, if you would just take a couple of minutes and recap, like how we started where we've been and how we've gotten to where we are today. So it's just a couple of weeks, but <laughs> I still think it's important to recap where, where we've been in the series so far. Yeah. Bring so us to today. Got a little th three-week mini-series, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, it kind of really started being sparked by the, the, the Salt and Light series before the Christmas or Christmas time, and then picking that up and asking the question, okay, what does it mean to be salt and light in a pretty crazy time in, in, our, in our culture? Um, and so we started with a, a video by our good friend Bruxy. And when I think of Bruxy's message, uh, he introduced us to a new word that I think captured really the heart of that, habitus, yeah. right? Took us back to this wonderful book by Alan Kreider, uh, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, and this, this concept that Alan Kreider unpacks of habitus. Um, not just habit, but a, a habitual way of life, right? That becomes the, kind of the ethos out of which we live and move and think and act. And that, that what it means to really follow Jesus is to develop a habitus, a way of life that reflects and images Jesus' way of life when, when he walked, walked on the earth. And so that's really what, what uh, I think uh, the centerpiece was for, for Bruxy's sermon for me is challenging me, challenging us on the question have we as Jesus followers really made following Jesus not just something that's a part of our lives or a Sunday thing or, well, that prayer time I have once in a while, but 24-7 developing the way of life that Jesus walked in. Um, Bruxy at one point says that the way to do that is that, like, let's face it, there's things that I will never do, I will never react like Jesus acted in a particular tough situation unless day by day in little ways I'm already starting to practice the habits of Jesus. Um, so we do what we can do following Jesus to be able to do things we could never do right now but that will be growing in us as Jesus' character becomes formed in us. And I love at the end of his message that he, he reminded us, like, this is difficult. It's not easy. But it's not difficult in the sense that rocket science is difficult, right? It's difficult in the sense that a disciplined exercise program is difficult. We probably all know enough to get on this road, but will we? Right? I, I brought me back, I know we've talked here about some of the language of Dallas Willard that he's used of, we need a vision, okay, we've got to have a vision for doing this. Then we need intention, like making a decision to do it. But finally, we need a method, what Dallas calls his VIM method, V-I-M. We need a method to do this. And I think Bruxy gave us a vision, called us to have that intention, and now we've got to all kind of press into what's the, what method is going to uh, involve my life in a new way of habituating myself to Jesus. 
to your lives, to, to all of our lives. Um, that was my takeaway for, from Bugsy. The next week, Greg um, um, brought a, a really powerful message, really circling around Romans 8.28. Mm -hmm. This verse that so many of us know about often return to in a tough moment of life that God is always at work in all situations to bring good for those who love and are called according to his purpose. And Greg clarified a couple of things about this verse that we often miss. One, this verse is often used to say that God causes everything that happens. That's not what it says. It says that whatever happens, God's always at work in that. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about evil and suffering, not God doesn't bring that to our lives, but whatever happens in our lives, God is partnering with us to bring good out of it. And then Greg emphasized that word sinner geos that's used in the Greek there. Literally means to work alongside of or work together. And that's what God's calling us to do. That, that whatever situations, we, yeah, a pandemic, uh, a crazy week like we've just had, um, maybe maybe the polarization we see in our culture actually touching you and your family or your, your friendships, that whatever the situation is, health issues, God wants us to be simply willing to trust and partner with him in the midst of that to bring really beautiful fruit out of that. And I love that Greg applied it, one, by being very vulnerable, like Greg usually is, just got real with us. Hey, he's got this chronic pain issue, and it's been really hard to, like, imagine how this could be good, right? And, uh, brother, thank you for, for your honesty there. It really, it, it really helped me to turn in my life, because I've had some health issues this year, and just like, that's right. <laughs> Cynicism or, or despondency is not never a kingdom response. Um, God, what do you want to bring out of this? And finally, Greg helped us by bringing it back to the church. Hey, sort of where Greg's personal body is and kind of some pain this year, the church is in this place of pain. Uh, this pandemic, we haven't been able to be face to face. Are we going to sit around and wait for an old normal to return or are we partner with God, sinner gaos, right here, right now, for all of us to move ahead into this new, this new normal where we retain some new things we've learned about connecting in brand new ways and uh, challenging ourselves to be on that discipleship path with Jesus 24-7 as a way of life. So, so I think uh, that's the last two weeks to me. Paul, this is why I'm so glad that uh, I asked you to summarize yeah. last weeks because that was so beautifully yeah. done. And it yeah. reminded me of why I am I am thankful for us doing this three-part series because we could have just, you know, scooted on down the road into Sermon on the Mount for uh, other scriptures, but it is so timely and it is so important. And even like this week, just to know that in the midst of the storm, that as the body of Christ, as, as kingdom people, that we still have a calling, but we're not walking that calling out alone. And the way in which we can do that in the midst of the storm is if we've been putting those practices um, into place, you know, before, right, before we hit the storm. And so it's been, uh, it's like real-time encouragement, challenge, but it's it's been really good. Rob, what has stood out to you? If you had to pick just one thing... <laughs> I just winked at him. If you had to pick just one thing, what has stood out to you from the last couple of weeks? You're killing me here. So the one thing I asked her not to do was to name me and ask me a question. And then I promised her that I would look like a deer in headlights. So that's my best. Uh-oh. This is how we work together, This guys. is how we are. I'm Rob Arino, and she's Sean Anna. That's so right. That's right. I think the biggest thing for me was this this idea of habitas, this yeah. idea of of 
as Dallas Willard, training versus trying. This yeah. idea, and then when you were talking about having relationships, you you can't start that this week. If you needed that this week, you can't start that this right. week. That had to be built over time. Mm -hmm. But you can start this week for in, for going forward. Mm -hmm. You know. So if you sense that you are missing something right now notice that mm -hmm. but then build towards being the person who has that mm. in the future because there will be a next time whatever that looks like yeah. Yeah. see i you did great rob and i knew i <laughs> knew you. that you would have something Stop. yes well <laughs> i knew you'd have something great to say because that's why we're here today is to talk about like how do we put into practice these things that we've been hearing how can we really put boots on the ground how can we take what we were learning and and walk that out and so paul i do want to circle back to you kevin i promise we'll get don't, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> you just sit there and look lovely um, for now. Uh, but Paul, I do want to circle back to you because you talked about Bruxy's sermon, how, how we kicked this whole thing off that first week, and Bruxy uh, brought up that passage in 1 Corinthians 4 uh, where the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so I'm just wondering if you can help people uh, get a little bit more insight into how exactly the Apostle Paul did that in his time? Yeah, great question. Uh, that was the centerpiece kind of passage of Bruxy's sermon. And it, that verse has two parts, right? Like Paul's saying, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ, which means Here. Paul must have had something in mind of Jesus that he could see uh, that he knew about, that he could imitate, and then he began to do that, right? So let's kind of break that down into two parts. What was it in Jesus' life that Paul was trying to imitate? And, uh, you know, I, I think as Christians, we are so used to thinking of Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, as God incarnate. We often forget the other side of that, that Jesus, yeah, he, Jesus was fully God, but Jesus was fully human, and that Jesus was a disciple. He was a follower. He followed his heavenly Father. In fact, in, in um, was it uh, John 5, I think, uh, Jesus says at one point that I only do what I see the Father guiding me to do. Like he was a radical follower as well as a leader. And I think this, this is uh, what Paul could look to. What is it in Jesus' life that showed how Jesus followed the Father so that Paul could then follow Jesus? And some, as soon as he poses that way, some really clear things stand out. I would kind of categorize them in three, three different categories. Things Jesus did in his personal life, things Jesus did in community, mm -hmm. and then things Jesus did for the world. Kind of those three areas. What did he do in his personal life? Jesus was a person of prayer, right? Um, sure, there were moments when, when Jesus had a really tough uh, event coming or a difficult decision to make and he would press into prayer in a really unique way like it tells us the night before he chose his 12 disciples he spent the whole night up in prayer like that's a that's kind of a, a critical moment prayer my fear is sometimes we can be lulled into that's the only time we pray like oh god i'm i'm in a bad place you know, i need to pray right now mm -hmm. but jesus didn't just do that he also had a get up in the early morning and spend time with God daily kind of a thing. Then on top of that, he had what I would call a, um, a practicing the presence of God kind of prayer. Just little arrow prayers to God all through the day. You'll see him doing a teaching and all of a sudden he'll just break into prayer to God and then come back in. He, he just had these three levels of prayer. Intense prayer, uh, a regular time each day, and then moment by moment. 
practicing God's presence. So prayer is a huge thing. And of course, Paul follows that. Paul's letters, he'll be writing all of a sudden, he'll just write a prayer for us, right? Prayers is part of his life. Um, scripture. Jesus says, in fact, the next passage we'll look at in Sermon on the Mount in two weeks, Greg will be, actually Dan will be leading us in that. Uh, Greg's, uh, that Jesus says that I came to fulfill the scriptures. Well, to fulfill them, he had to know them pretty well. And you just see the meta-narrative of Scripture, the story of Scripture embodied in Jesus' life. He gets the values of Scripture. He has the, the storyline of Scripture just in his bones. So Scripture, a key part of Jesus' life. Then there was community, right? Uh, Jesus did not do this alone. He formed a community around him, and the community was so fascinating. Uh, I think about the week we've just been through, the political polarization in our culture, and remember, Jesus, remember that night he spent all night in prayer, Father, how do I choose these people? Well, what God led him to choose among 12 was a Simon who was a zealot and a Matthew, a tax collector. Right? Uh, we're talking <laughs> alt-right and alt-left <laughs> in Jesus' culture of this day. And he chose him and said, hey, yeah, you have some political disagreements, but you're siblings first and foremost. You are beloved of God, and you're part of this community, and we will learn to love and work together. Uh, just a powerful message for us today. Uh, and Paul went on to take that, and in Galatians 3.28, he says, like in Christ, in this family, yes, there's Jewish people and Greek people, and there's slave and free, and there's male and female, but all of those distinctions are are put aside in comparison to the siblinghood we have under the love and banner of Jesus Christ. A powerful word for us in this week today. And finally, uh, Jesus took that community and faced it outward. They went, he, he trained them and even sent them out two by two, always in community, to love and serve others, to show self-sacrificial ministry. And of course, Paul did this precise thing. Uh, traveling ministry teams Paul had, planting churches, all of which he called to agape love, sacrificial ministry to the world. So I think Paul really shows us someone who imitated Jesus in the very central features of Jesus' life. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that it was personal. I love that it was within community. And then I love that it turned outward. I just think that's so powerful and beautiful. And if we are to follow that example, I, I know it, it can seem daunting sometimes. Like, how in the world do I get there? Like, and I know we've been encouraging people to take baby steps and just start where you are and move forward. But I am curious for those who are like, well, I am no Apostle Paul, right? Like, how on earth do I do this? So, Kevin, I'm hoping that uh, with all your vast expertise and knowledge that you can help us. Like, how can we do this practice? Because, like, we are not the Apostle Paul. We are not living in that time. But we still have a call as kingdom people to walk this out and to follow Jesus. So what does that look like for us today? So putting me on the spot with my vast knowledge, I'm going to do the deer <laughs> in the right. headlights. Flip. Come on, produce, <laughs> produce. So thank you, Shauna. Um, Paul really, I think, said it all in his sharing just a few moments ago. But as I see it, Jesus um, demonstrated to us what the essence of discipleship is in, in how he did it. And I would say by looking at how Jesus did discipleship, I would define it as it, discipleship is being with Jesus in order to do as Jesus so that we become like Jesus mm. so that we can fulfill his ministry and mission and be his body on earth. And so the end goal for Jesus as for us today would be that we become like Jesus. 
Um, the, the idea that Jesus, I think, in Matthew 10, he says it's enough for the disciple that he become like his master. And so that's the outcome of discipleship, to become conformed more and more to the image of Christ. And that's the thing that we can't do directly. That's the outcome, as, as Paul just talked about in this practical model of spiritual disciplines. We engage in certain things that we can do, and something else results from that. So, But the first two aspects of discipleship are things that we can do. Being with Jesus and doing as Jesus. And so um, Jesus says here, I think it's in Mark 3, verse 14, he says, it says that he uh, selected 12 disciples or apostles that they would be with him. And then the being with him was the primary container of discipleship, being with him. Uh, but it wasn't the end goal. It wasn't just a with him for their own personal enjoyment of being with him, although it certainly involved that. It says in that same verse that he chose 12 that they would be with him so that he could send them out eventually. So that they would be his presence, his character, his face, his hands, his voice to others. But it starts with being with. Um, and then doing as Jesus. Jesus also tells us in uh, the Gospels that, uh, and John 13 is the best example of this, towards the end of his ministry, uh, Jesus has lived an entire life of sort of modeling and teaching and giving commands uh, for his disciples. But in John 13, he ends it by kneeling at their feet, washing their feet, the highest emblem or sign of who he is and what he's like and what his teaching is all about. So he washes their feet and then he says, what I've just done for you, it's an example that you should do as I did. And I think it's not just the act of washing feet, but Jesus is sort of giving the exclamation point to his entire three years of ministry of saying, do as I've done with you and for you and in front of you for the last three years. So being with Jesus in order to do as Jesus. They were to now uh, imitate his example. They were to apply his teachings. They were to uh, obey his commands. Uh, we're in the Sermon on the Mount series and this series goes from Matthew 5 through chapter 7. It's a lot of teaching. Jesus is giving a lot of important information. At the very end in chapter 7 of Matthew 5, Jesus strongly then says it's not just a matter of hearing the things I've said, but it's a matter of doing these things, putting them into practice. Um, so those are the elements of discipleship, but specifically then, in the 21st century, how is it that we can actually be with Jesus? How can we be with him? He's no longer physically here. His original students, apprentices or disciples could physically be with him. But as Paul Eddy just said, well, Paul the Apostle apparently never met Jesus. He never had the luxury of being physically with Jesus. Somehow he found another way to be with Jesus. So did the early church, and so have Christians throughout all centuries. And so in practical terms, I would say, uh, Paul has already outlined, the, outlined these, but being with Jesus, there's four simple and practical and doable things we can do to be with him. The first is to be with Jesus in Scripture. Um, we can be with Jesus in, in any part of the Bible, but primarily the first and foremost place that we can be with Jesus is in the Gospels. It's there that we can actually see Jesus. When we read about his life, we can actually picture and see the kind of person he was, the kinds of things he did, we can hear him. We can hear his voice. We can hear what he said to his disciples and the tone in which he spoke it. Um, his character comes through, the things that he's doing and the things that he's saying. So in scripture, we have this amazing opportunity to be with Jesus, get to know him, meet him there. Um, another way that we can be with Jesus, Paul has uh, also identified
identified is through prayer. Uh, oftentimes we think of prayer as just a one-way communication. We, we bring requests to God. Um, but in, in reality, prayer is any form of two-way interaction with God, with Jesus. So in prayer, we can speak, we can learn how to open up our hearts and talk honestly and deeply and vulnerably with Jesus. And we can be with him that way. We can also learn how to hear him. He wants to speak to us. And deep prayer is the process of learning how to hear his voice and hear what he wants to say specifically to us. So prayer is a powerful way we can be with Jesus. Another powerful way to be with Jesus today is by gathering, fellowship. Um, the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. We have this beautiful direct ability to be with Jesus through prayer because of the Spirit of Jesus in us. We have another indirect way of being with Jesus through Scripture because the Spirit-inspired Scriptures come alive because the Spirit in us connects us with Jesus. But now we can be with, e with Jesus by being with each other. The Bible teaches us that all other brothers and sisters in Christ have the Spirit of Jesus in them. And so the Spirit of Jesus in them now can speak to me. Uh, the Spirit of Jesus in another brother or sister can now actually bring to me some things that are needed. They can touch me. I can hear him. I can see him. I can experience his presence by the Spirit of Jesus coming through others to me. And the New Testament writers refer to this as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's simply the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit coming to us through each other. It's a powerful, very practical way for us to be with Jesus today. And then the fourth way of being with Jesus as I see it is by serving. Serving those who are in need. In Matthew 25, Jesus uh, says some kind of crazy things. He says, when you feed someone who's hungry, you're feeding me. When you clothe someone who's poor and without clothing, you're clothing me. When you visit someone who's in prison, you're visiting me. When you heal someone who's sick, you're healing me. You're bringing comfort to me. And so Jesus equates himself with people in need. And when we go as Jesus to others to bring any of these kinds of things, we're actually, it's a form of being with Jesus. One of my heroes of the faith is Mother Teresa. And in reading a lot of her writings and just hearing about her life, she sustained a decades-long, difficult, challenging ministry to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And every day she started out her day with a meditation sitting at the cross of Jesus and she would take in just the face of Jesus and then she would take that with her as she went into her day. And she would tune everything else out and with each individual she was with, mm -hmm. she would see them as if they were Jesus. Mm -hmm. And her service to them would be as if she was serving Jesus. And this, in a powerful way then, she was treating them as she would treat Jesus, but she was actually finding a way to be with Jesus through serving other people as if they were Jesus. So some practical ways, I think, that we can all kind of uh, apply in our lives today, regardless of the fact that we can't physically be with Jesus. So, Let me, let me add a thought or two to that. Um, I can read about playing the guitar, but that doesn't mean that I can play the guitar. And it's the, it's the interactive, it's the together, it's the being with people that, that is at least one aspect of the playing of the guitar, a big aspect mm -hmm. of it. And so I just want to encourage you on the, on the getting connected with others in Christ intentionally piece of that. Um, I think yeah. that's huge. Um, so Kevin was talking about this interactive conversation with God and <clears throat> I feel like the thing that he asked me to, to share today is you're going to hear things, I've already heard a number of things that I go, yes, sign me up, I want more of that. Prayer, reading scripture, engaging in, you know, with the Lord. But I want you to pause today 
as you're listening to things said and you're hearing about what's available and all what Greg's going to share, and when you say, yes, more, I want that or sign me up, like, I want to engage in the word, I want you to ask yourself the question, why? Why do I want that? And I want to be a better Christian. Awesome. Whatever that whatever your answer is, I want to be a better Christian. I want you to then go, why do I want that? And what's the thing that's, that becomes more important to you than, than just that thing? And ask that question a couple of times, and it will juice up mm-hmm. your why. And man, if you've got a strong why, mm-hmm. you will, you'll be able to have more energy to move towards something. So I just wanted to share that as just a thought to go along with the things... Um, that we're sharing here. So. Yeah, thank you, Rob. And I also think that what you just shared, really poignant and powerful. Thank you, Kevin, for the way that you laid that out. And it's important, I think, to just reiterate and say again that these are things that can be happening and should be happening right now, January 2021. Yes, we're in the middle of this pandemic still. Yes, we are distancing ourselves for the safety of others still, but we, can, we still need to engage. We still need to press forward. Um, um, and, and be be plugged into one another. The the personal piece of it, uh, the the digging into scripture, the prayer piece, um, that is important, and we need that. But we also need to be able to connect with others, to be in community in some way, shape, or form with others, and we also need to to turn that outward. It also reminded me of a conversation that we were having earlier this week because we've been talking a lot about discipleship around here and what does it mean to follow Jesus and what is, does it mean to have others follow us as we follow Jesus and uh, just all of the pieces and a couple of things came up it was like we, there were there are some people who their focus is more on that personal piece right the I need to read the scriptures I need to pray I need to be disciplined I need to put these spiritual practices into place so that I can get closer to Jesus and 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 that's wonderful and good but it can feel like sometimes people that are so focused on that tend to not look as much to the community part of it, like with others and engaging with one another and growing together and and then also bringing others along. Um, So that was interesting because it seemed, I'm not trying to say people are old, but it just seemed (laughs) as if certain ones at the stage were kind of talking about that point of it and I thought through, because you know I'm a a mom of four and three teenagers and one preteen and they seem to be on the other end and where most of their spiritual life and most of their walk with the Lord is with their peers. It's, it's, that's how they experience it. That's how they live it out. And they kind of don't focus so much on the personal reading. And I can't speak to whether they're personally praying, but I, I feel like that the disciplines part come in community and not personal. Um, and so I'm thinking, though, that we need both, right? That's what you have yeah. all been saying. We need the personal, but we also need the community part. Yeah. I'm curious because, Kevin, you are a dad of young adults and you work with young adults in Soma. Have you seen a difference there as well? Or Yeah, I would say 
I, I can notice a somewhat of a difference between generations of a, t of a leaning more towards either communal c kinds of practices or uh, individual kinds of practices. I can also see a difference in the generations between more traditional kinds of practices, mm -hmm. liturgical, things like this, which actually seems to be more attractive to younger folks these days, um, probably because some of us grew up with that when we were younger, and so it's not as interesting to us, um, and, and the non-liturgical practices. But I would say I've got three kids, 26-year-old son, a 23-year-old daughter, 19-year-old daughter. I think another dimension that plays out in this is just temperament or personality. My 26-year-old son is more of an introvert. He's more of a heady kind of person. He's very much into reading and reflecting and writing and thinking and all the those kinds of disciplines are really important to him. My two daughters, on the other hand, are very much more involved. They're involved in a young adult fellowship where they get together. Now it's on Zoom, but they get together regularly for just really vibrant worship they go out and do things in the community. They have all-night prayer um, once a month and fasting each month and things like this. And so they're involved in a very communal form of Christianity as younger people, um, as opposed to my son, who's involved in a little bit more of an individual. Um, but I think you were, the point you're trying to make, Shauna, is that I see spiritual disciplines as a both end. Yeah. I think that all of us, no matter what our age is or a generation or what our personality is, we all uh, would benefit from the the disciplines of aloneness, those individual things where we connect with Jesus, and the disciplines of togetherness. Um, and I think those are both super important. And one of the things that makes disciplines of the Holy Spirit disciplines is that there are certain things that are more enjoyable to us, come easier to us. So for me, I love to read and be alone in reading, and that really doesn't even take discipline for me. Um, but as an introvert, it takes a lot more discipline for me to push myself out there and to commit to regularly gathering with others to do spiritual practices. And so for other people, it's the reverse. It's a lot easier for them to be together than it is to be alone, and that's where it takes more discipline. Uh, all of them are disciplines because they're regular practices, but some of them are maybe not as easy for us to do or enjoyable for us to do, and it takes a little more discipline to push for us to pull them off. But a both and is for sure how I would sum it up. Absolutely, yeah. I was When you were talking about the reading the book part, I, we are opposite, because if I'm going to read a book, everybody come in and let's read it together. <laughs> Let me tell you about the sentence I just read. <laughs> to have to do that on my own is just, oh. <laughs> but it's so important to have that both and, and I feel like we, we, we've talked about that quite a bit here. Like, we do not want you, and you cannot coast and forsake, even during this, this difficult time, that, that discipline of, of getting in the scripture and praying and hearing from the Lord. But you also cannot coast or forsake connecting with others and growing with others and sharing what you've learned with others. We need both. And so we've really worked hard, Rob, and I'm pointing to mm -hmm. you because you and I have worked together with some mm -hmm. of these things. We have really worked hard to say, okay, 2020, which has turned into 2021, <laughs> which is, oh my word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, things are, are a little more challenging and difficult to be that community piece, yeah. but we're not just letting it go. We right. are trying and have tried to provide opportunities for people to engage, to yeah. plug in, to yeah. still stay connected. So right. do you want right. to um, highlight a couple of those things? Well, you know, it's interesting. The first thing that screams out at me when Kevin was talking is we have a group on Monday nights called Life on Purpose, and, and Life on Purpose engages in the whole cornucopia of spiritual practices. They do it through individual study, but then they come together on Monday night to talk about 
how that's gone, what's the process, they, they will interact together around it. And the next thing that they're gonna kick off here, coming up pretty soon, um, they're finishing up a book and then they're gonna start doing Present Perfect. Greg's book, Present Perfect, is around the corner, so it, right. that, that's a nice combo there. Um, but one of the other things that we do is we have these classes, Cultivate classes, and um, they're going to be happening, a couple start in January, a couple start February, a couple start in March. So we're going to have kind of a release of a few of them. And Kevin, you're, you're involved in, in some of that. What, what's, what's going on with you and Cultivate? Yeah, um, so I've got a class coming up starting in February in Cultivate. It's called Walking in Truth. And so it's a six-week class. We're going to be specifically talking about the, the importance of this thing called truth uh, in our spiritual lives, kind of helping us understand, well, what exactly is that? Um, and what are the core truths? If we could boil them down, because certainly in the Bible you could say, well, there must be thousands of truths, but we can't just live out and walk out thousands of truths. So we're going to be kind of boiling it down to what are some of the core truths, clarifying that, and then just saying, well, actually, how can we walk? What does it mean to walk in those things? And so that's a class that I'm doing for the month of February into early March. Um, I think Paul also has some awesome classes that you're going to be involved in, either teaching or some folks that you know are going to be teaching. Absolutely. Yeah, I know in uh, February, a good friend of mine, that, that, a colleague at Bethel where I, I, I teach theology, uh, Jim Bilby, uh, and I are going to be team teaching, of course, and uh, we're going to be taking something that's often caused division in the body, namely controversial theological topics, and asking the question, how can we talk through them and, and you know, appreciate disagreements, but not allow them to divide us, but actually to let love be something that unites us, even as we might have disagreements. So we're going to look at some controversial issues in that, in that theology class. And then I'm really excited that in, um, I think in March, uh, we'll be starting a class that is going to be taught by a colleague of mine at Bethel, uh, Stina uh, Busman-Jost. And um, uh, Stina and I go way back. In fact, Stina was a, a Bethel student years ago <clears throat> and uh, served as a teaching assistant both for Greg for a while and for myself. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Stina uh, graduated from Bethel, went to Princeton and got her PhD in theology, is now teaching with us at Bethel as, in a full-time capacity, and has this course at, she does at Bethel, it's very popular, uh, Sleep, Surrender, and Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And students love it, and she's going to bring a, a little mini version of that, a six-week version of that to us in, uh, in March and February, or March and April, so I'm really looking forward to that. Wow, that's going to be amazing. Um, you know, in addition... Uh, you and your handsome husband will I be do doing a, a class, <laughs> Revitalizing Relationships. <laughs> yes. yeah. And uh, so we've got that. we got some other things, yeah. too, that we're offering through Cultivate. And um, invite you to go out to whchurch.org slash highlights to see what is available out there as it comes to any of the things that we're about yeah. to talk about right yeah. now, including those classes. Well, and what I love is that, yes, we're offering these classes um, that for those of you who like to just get those brain dumps, that's really important and good, but also there's opportunity to discuss what you're learning yeah. in those classes for yeah. those of you who need yeah. to kind of talk it yeah. out. Yeah. But then there's other ways in which you can connect. So if the class part isn't like your jam, if that's not how you're wired, yeah. there's other ways, right? And which people can get connected. Right, and, and let me just add to what you just said about our tagline here is learning to love together. Yeah. And, and so you've heard us talk about this. Yes, learning, it, it can be an individual experience, but it's also a community experience as it well. Is. And yeah. it's something that you really learn in community. So together is super important to us. 
in in that tagline. So. Mm -hmm. um, Additional ways. Gosh, are you like thinking like uh, the the uh, spiritual friendships class? Was that yeah, where you were headed? Yeah. So because you know we we really believe in this. Um exercising your spiritual muscles, continuing to grow, not staying stagnant. And, and we really think it's valuable to have people in your life to, to go on that journey with yeah. you. You can't do that with multitudes, right. but you can really dive in and get to the nitty gritty with a few others. And so we've been uh, toying with and, and, and teasing out and piloting these spiritual friendship yeah. groups, but yeah. it starts with... A class. It starts with a class. That's right. Because you're at Woodland Hills. Yeah, that's what we do. All <laughs> things start with a class. Yeah. But it is. It's super important to kind of set a frame. Spiritual friendships, like what is that? Right. So Shauna and I and the good Dr. Paul Eddy, mm -hmm. we will all together be unpacking this idea. Like how did this get so far off the rails for us mm -hmm. in, the, in, in, in America in 2020? Um, there's just some fascinating history to it. But then how do we really have a friendship where people are engaging us? Us with how are you with Jesus? How is your spiritual walk? Uh, yeah. I just don't have that conversation a lot with with my general friendships. So well, anyway, and, and just the simple fact that 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 friendship is God ordained, like that yeah. is a, a special relationship that we can recapture yeah. Yeah. for the kingdom that, we, that I'm really excited about. We've got to, yeah, we, it's, absolutely. It's, it's become a, its own epidemic in this yeah, country. Absolutely. Um, so uh, maybe I should talk a little bit about some of the other offerings that we have in the yeah. care, you know, because yeah. let's face it, there are some of us here watching who are struggling in a big way. Yeah. And the idea of taking a class and getting involved is like pretty high bar. And for those of you who are who've been struggling, uh, I want to encourage you to reach out to the care area. You can actually send an email to info at whchurch.org. Describe what you're hoping for. They'll get it to the right person, which is probably me. Um, we have counseling referrals that we can make. If you have insurance, we can help you navigate that. But if you have no insurance, we have lay counselors that can help um, help you out that are, um, they do a really great job. I love the stories that we hear, the healing that comes from that. The Refuge yes. is starting up that new class. Dan yeah. Kent is doing it. Yeah. But he's got the class that he's, or not class, you should call it a, a support group. Support group. But it's for folks with depression. Well, yeah, and I think that's in that's in response to just the reality of, of our time that we're living in. And right. we recognize, yes, we're encouraging you and challenging you to press in, but we also recognize that folks, some folks are just really struggling. Yeah. And even to the point of dealing with depression. And yeah. so we want to come along side and yep. help yep. support that it's so yeah. important and, and 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 there's so many other things yeah, yeah, yeah. but we True. um we we just encourage you to hop online yeah. right yeah. on the highlights page right and they right. can see all the different opportunities there let me mention one last thing real quick if you're if you're in that space like right here today after the service so once greg is done you can get on zoom right at right below wherever you are youtube or on the woodland site there's a link that talks about getting into the prayer uh, the prayer room I don't know what we call it but you can get to you'll get to me first and then I'll put you into a breakout room with a couple of our prayer ministers man bring bring that issue before the Lord get some support in just praying over that challenge or that struggle yeah and so that's one thing I just really want to encourage you whatever whatever wherever you're at uh, so I gotta stop. yeah yeah <laughs> 
Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't go away because I am really thankful for you, sir, Mr. Mm. Dr. Greg Boyd, the good Dr. Gregory. Reverend. Um, because you really had a passion and you had a, a word that you wanted to share to kind of close out this yeah. series for our community out there. And so thank you for your... Um, thank you guys. Yeah. yeah great job. Yeah. Uh, I, I just appreciate uh, the folks that God's brought to Wilderness Church and the team that we have here. And uh, we've got a lot offering. There's a lot of ways to plug in. I just appreciate yeah. you laying that all out here, making it really practical. Um, and I, I, I am just delighted the fact that, that we have been able, in this COVID season, as bad as it is, as sad as it is, as trying as it is, as aggravating as it is, as painful as it is, um, I, 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 I feel like God, we didn't skip a beat. Yeah. God's really been working with us and, and, and we're flexing new muscles and it, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, we're in the season here, I, I hope you can pick this up, of, of I think God's really reminding us of the importance of discipline, of being what it is to be a disciple. And I'm going to share something that I, God put on my heart, a real simple word uh, this last week, but I want to set it up by reading a passage, a scripture. It's one that I've come back to several times during this COVID year that we've had. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to us. It grabs onto us and it weighs us down and it slows us up. Let's set that aside and let's run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Note, it takes perseverance. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, and disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him, think about him, meditate on him, who endured such hostility against himself for sinners, from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Apparently, in, when you're walking with God and, and you're a disciple, uh, you, you can be tempted to grow weary and to lose heart. Just make a note of that. So the author here likens the, the, the Christian life, the life of a disciple, to a race. Now, we're not competing against each other. That's not the point of this metaphor. Rather, it's a race because it calls for discipline. Uh, it's a race because it requires your perseverance. You're going to grow weary. You might be tempted to quit sometimes. Uh, it's, a, it's called a race because you've got to be willing to suffer and be inconvenienced and sacrifice some things. And so we are to be, have our eyes fixed on Jesus as we are in this race. And he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Our faith is locked on him, and as we follow him, do what he does, imitate him, as we've been hearing about in this panel discussion, uh, well, we become more like him. He perfects our faith. We grow in our Christ-likeness. And so he's our model. He's our prototype. We're to always have our eyes fixed on him. He ran the race that now we are called to run. And we're to imitate him in every respect. Now, I want us to see this, that Jesus gave his all. Uh, he ran with passion. In fact, if you understand what the cross is all about, you, you can see that God gave us his very best. The all-holy God became our sin, says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, God experienced the antithesis of himself. 
And the perfectly united God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, experienced God's separation on the cross. As, that's why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's, he's getting on the inside of our sin and he gets on the inside of the curse that comes with that sin. And the curse is always separation from God. Which means that Jesus, there's nothing that God could have done more than God actually did. He went to the furthest extreme possible. And as I often say around here, the, the unsurpassable extremity to which God was willing to go to save us and to redeem creation, that reveals the unsurpassable perfection of the love that God is. So God pours himself out for us and then invites us to do likewise towards him, to run that race, to pour yourself out. So uh, this last Tuesday, I was walking my dog, and uh, as I sometimes do, I, I'm talking to God as I'm walking my dog, and uh, rather my dog walks me, I just let, let her decide. It's fun to let, see a little puppy make decisions. <laughs> Which way do you want to go? Just lead me. Um, so I'm talking to God, and I, I was talking about this whole concept, which I discussed last week, uh, of... Uh, of, of trusting that God can take whatever pain you're in, whatever circumstances you're in, and use it to his advantage, to your advantage, to the kingdom advantage, if we'll just yield to him. And I was thinking about that. And then I just heard this word. Um, and the word was simply, uh, Greg, is this really your best? Is this your best? Now it's important that you hear the tone of this. It wasn't, Greg, you call this your best? It wasn't a shaming thing. Uh, it was a convicting thing, but not shaming. It was rather the voice of, 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 of a lover who's saying, are, 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 you, are you still all in? Uh, are, are you still pursuing this relationship with passion? Um, are you giving this relationship your all? It, was, it, it felt like an invitation of the Lord saying, Greg, this could be better, this thing with us. This could go deeper. It could be more fulfilling, more sustaining if you're all in. If you're all in. Are you doing your best? And I had to answer, nope. No. I, are you loving the Lord our God with all your heart, all your mind, all, all your body, all your strength? That's the first commandment. On this everything hangs, Jesus says. Are you doing that, Greg? I had to answer no. I, uh, zealous for the Lord in season and out of season? Are you setting aside every weight, every sin that could so easily weigh you down and slow you up? And the answer is no. I haven't been. I know what it is to give your all. I, I uh, you know, sticking with this race analogy, when I was a younger person. I, I love to race. I love to run long distances and all that stuff. And early on in life, I was pretty good at it. But I, I, one of the reasons I was good at it is I like trashing my body. That's how I would put it. Like you have these workouts where you do 16 intervals of 400 meters and you just, you, you're spent, completely spent. You let it all out. I, 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 and in, in races, I push myself to the absolute max, almost passing out at the end sometimes. I know what it is. And the coach would sometimes say, you know, don't leave anything on that track. You know, you Whatever you got to give, you give it. And I, 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 I would do that. Spend myself. That's giving it your all. Am I doing that right now in relationship to kingdom activity? I wouldn't describe it like that. I, I, going through graduate school, being married, having three kids, holding two jobs, getting a PhD, that required my all over a sustained period of time. Tremendous sacrifices had to be made. I had to learn how to live with sleep deprivation. You know, it was all sorts of things, but I was willing to do it because there was a prize. I wanted to get that PhD. In running, I wanted to be the best. 
Am I doing that in relationship to, to Jesus Christ and to the kingdom? And I had to admit to myself, no. And see, so one of the great perks of being a leader in the kingdom is you're required to model your own imperfections and what it is to confess. And so that's why I'm doing this publicly with you. Uh, I, 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 I haven't been all in. Now, I know some, some folks who are hearing this you know, you're, you're, you may be thinking you're, you're good-hearted, you're gracious, and, and, and so you're saying, well, Greg, maybe you're being a little too hard on yourself. Come on! You just showed last week how you've been dealing with this chronic pain, and uh, you've been taking a beating the last couple of years, and all these other issues that you've had going on. You got the mojo knocked out of you, you know, so cut yourself some slack. Having COVID, you know, you still have lingering fatigue over that, and that's all true. It's all true. But see, that's what I've been telling myself for the last year. <laughs> maybe a little longer than that. And um, keep on thinking, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to it uh, one of these days. But, uh, man, time can pass. See, here's the thing. There is a time for, where, where you need to just rest. There's a time to, to just, you're wounded. You took a hit, and, and, and you just got to recover. You got to be okay just being pretty useless as you're in the process of being healed. There's a time for it's the Sabbath, a ne necessary time, surrender for sleep, all those things. Yes, yes, yes. But it's also true in the process of healing that there comes a time. And see, here's the thing. That's compatible with doing your best. That, sometimes that is your best. Taking the next breath sometimes is your best. Because the, the best isn't about what you produce. It's about the investment of your heart. It's not about measuring what you can produce. There's no comparison here. No, no, no you know, we're not running against each other. It's about where your heart is. And see, what can happen is that, yeah, yeah there's a time to rest, a time to be in the hospital, time to just have, let people take care of you. But be careful because that can become comfortable, really comfortable. And there are some carnal advantages uh, to stretching out that, 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 that rest period. You know, I'm just so damaged. I've been piled on. Golly gee. Uh, I, I, don't have, I don't have the health to, to really be disciplined in other areas of my life. Uh, there's no expectations. You know, you, you can ride this out for a while. It's easier. You get to be lazy. Now, you're not lazy if you need it. That's the best you can do. But when we start to be hospitalized and think of ourselves as always in the process of, you know, someday I'll get back on my feet. Someday I'll get back in the game. Someday I'm going to get passionate. Well, you can find a year or two or three or five go by and you're still waiting for that someday. There's a time to rest. And what can happen, there's a time to rest, but there's a time where you've got to get back in the game. You know, even in the hospital, you have to start walking at some point. You've got to get the organs going. You've got to get the lungs going. You know, to the point where if you don't start exercising, if you don't start getting back to your regular discipline, it hinders your healing. Part of the healing process is being involved in the game. Uh, you can backslide without knowing it. In fact, I have to confess that I backslid without knowing it. Um, and I have a perfect illustration for how you can backslide without knowing it, though it involves a little bit of embarrassment, but one of the perks of being a kingdom leader is you get to illustrate how you get life from Christ by sharing embarrassing things. So it's like this. Probably about two years ago, and I shared this last week, I, I, I got so disgusted with my body because it keeps breaking down on me and all this blah, blah, blah. I kind of just gave up on it. All my life I've been uh, you know, I've disciplined in running and athletics and, and being healthy and all that. And the way my body pees me back is by breaking down on me all the time. So I just got mad and I kind of pressed the screw it button. Um, I was surprised that though I pressed the screw it button when it came to my health, um, I didn't gain any weight. Now, I noticed that I did gain a few inches, a few inches. 
uh, here and there and all the other But I figured it's just my muscle atrophying, turning into fat, you know, so uh, I'm not actually gaining any weight. And so I didn't, you know, I kept on eating the way I like to eat. No need to be disciplined because I'm, I'm right at 200 pounds. I'm coming right at it. I was amazed by how consistent it was. This goes on and on and on and on. Well, just before Christmas, Shelly has to send a chair back to some warehouse and we have to know how much it weighs uh, to put the right postage on it. And so the way you do that, we don't have a, a weight machine for a chair, but we do for people. We have a scale. So I get on the scale to weigh myself and then I'll take the chair and the, whatever addition is, that's what the chair weighs. Simple enough. So I get on the scale, look down, and it's 200 pounds like it always is. Clockwork. I'm consistent. May not be as muscly as I was before, but I haven't gained any weight. So then Shelly gives me the chair. It's 200 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> My stupid scale was stuck at 200. It was totally accurate going up to 200, but for some reason it just stuck there. Which raises the question, how much do I weigh? <laughs> and I didn't want to even see the answer to that question, but I finally went out and got a scale. And, and it's none of your business, crying out loud. I'll admit that it's in the double digits by quite a ways. All right, so... I've actually without knowing it. That, that's the very definition of discouragement. One more way that 2020 stuck it to me. <laughs> Make me think that I'm not getting overly blah, when in fact I am. And see, part of me knew that on some level. Of course I knew that. I can look down, I can see, for crying out loud. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, we like to live in, 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 in denial. If you're not careful, you backslide without knowing it. And see, part of the problem with this, what I'm passionate about is that this is what I preached on last week. I, I, you know, and it, it's uh, what the Lord revealed to me is I was thinking about Romans 8.28 and how to, you know, turn the pain to, uh, over to the Lord and have him bring good out of it. He, he communicated to me that this only works, Greg, if you really are in the game, if you really are passionate, if, if your all is in it, well, then I can work with you to bring good out of it, but to the degree that you're not, it's going to slow things down. And what I learned is that I, I, I think I'm pressing the screw it button with regard just to my body, but in fact, we're holistic beings, body, soul, and spirit. It's all interconnected. And by letting go of the discipline on the health side of things, it percolates over into, in, into other areas of my life. I just became kind of going through the motions. All the stuff I preached against last week, well, that's happened to me. Uh, it's, but you don't even notice it if you're not looking for it. And so when you wake up to something like this and you realize, man, I, I haven't really been all in. It may be in your relationship with Jesus or it could be you're not really all in in your marriage or you're not in in other relationships. You wake up to that. Well, then it's decision time. And, and the decision that the Lord would want us to make and that I had to make this week is it's a decision to repent. Uh, which just means to turn around. I got to stop going this way. I got to start going this way. Uh, I have got to now start, I, I don't get to press that button. I, I've got to start making better choices. i got to start making better food choices. Uh, taking a better look at my diet. i got to get more serious about my physical therapy exercises. Um, oh, I, I, I've got to make a turn here. Why? Well, because my health needs it, for sure. But even more importantly, it's because, see, I'm in a race. I signed up for something here. And that race requires me to be in training and, and to be disciplined. Uh, that race re requires my all. That race requires me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and to do just what you see Jesus doing. Uh, that, that race requires, Paul uses this analogy in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8. He says that, that like an athlete in training, he buffets his body. 
He trashes his body the way I used to when I was doing intervals as a kid. He's doing it for this prize, to be all he can be for the kingdom, to be as close to Jesus as he can be, to be as much like Jesus as he can be, to be transformed into his image. And so to run the race that Jesus ran, we do what he did, and we do it for the reasons that he did it, for the joy that was set before him. Spoke about that a couple weeks ago. The joy that was set before him. The glory that renders all the suffering of this present world irrelevant. The glory of knowing that we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. The glory of knowing that every kingdom thing we do reverberates back on us throughout eternity, and that is our reward. As we see that glory, is to motivate us to say, okay, what do I need to do in my life? And what do we need to do in our church's life? to be moving passionately in that direction. Are you giving God your best? Are you giving him your all? That just has a way of framing things for me. I, I was doing adequate and calling it my best, but I now realize it wasn't my best. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Now, I'll, I'll end with just these two words. One is that this is not about comparing. It's not about how much you produce. Uh, certainly not about how much you produce as, a, as opposed to somebody else. Because we all start in different places, so there's no, you can't measure any of that. And it's irrelevant. There's no comparison, no competing. Uh, it's about the intentionality of your heart. Is your heart fully in, devoted? The second thing is, there's no shame. If you are damaged in the way where you, you, your internal messaging is you're never quite good enough, you never quite measure up, you're always kind of second class, you're, you know, if, if that's your mindset, well then, when you hear, are you doing the best, there'll, there'll be a shame component to it. You call this your best? Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. And that can become a demonic thing that just drives you further into the ground. There's no shame in this. There is an invitation here, and even an imploring. But it's an invitation of the lover of your soul who's simply saying, I poured my all out for you to inspire you to pour your all out for me, and man, it is so great when we are like that. But are you backing off? Are you coasting? Are you backsliding without knowing it? Have you, have you fallen into this mode of, I'll get back to it when? I'll get back to it when. And I found if I'm doing that in one area, it invariably it percolates over, over to all the areas. Here we've got an assortment of things, all these opportunities for us to grow and to stay connected and to maybe develop skills we didn't know before and, and, and use muscles we didn't have even know we had before. This is the time to do it. And I just want to encourage you to now pray about how God would want you to respond to this in a way that reflects your best. It's not about what you produce, it's about the intentionality of your heart. Uh, I think God wants to, us to just have like a, uh, a, a renewed honeymoon of some sort, or uh, a, a, a light to stir up the flame, uh, so that Woodland Hills can be all that Woodland God knows that we can be as a body to do great things for the kingdom. Um, individually and collectively, can we make a commitment to do to give God our best, to run this race that's set before us, to set aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely, but that weighs us down and keeps us from being all that God knows we can be. Love you guys. I love the process we're in. I love the journey we're in. I do not like the environment that the world is in right now, uh, but that's all right. In this world, you will have trials, but if you have good cheer, he has overcome the world. So, Father, as we leave here, I pray blessing on every person watching this uh, and listening to this message. I pray, Lord, you, you apply it in the way that it should be applied to each of our lives. For those who need conviction, Lord, convict. For those who need encouragement, Lord, just encourage them. Those who need mercy, let them receive mercy. 
Those who need a stronger challenge, let them hear the challenge. We are yours, Lord. Use us to expand your kingdom in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Live out the kingdom. Give God your best. See you next week.